anyone who says this is an exoneration of the president is flatly misreading what Mueller has said in this report. Well, there's a lot of people busy misreading today. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets every day for you on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us on a, uh, well, a hell of an interesting day. Some might call it Mueller time. We'll see if that's what we call it by the time we're done here. Finally, public at last. Sort of, or mostly, special counsel Robert Mueller's report revealed to a waiting nation on Thursday, according to AP this afternoon, that President Donald Trump tried to seize control of the Russia probe and force Mueller's removal to stop him from investigating potential obstruction of justice by the president, which sounds, at least to my Uh, ears and eyes, a lot like the very obstruction of justice that uh, he, according to the Mueller report, was attempting to obstruct from being investigated in the first place. Trump, however, was largely thwarted by those around him in his attempts to kill the probe, according to the report. Mueller laid out multiple episodes in which Trump directed others to influence or curtail the Russia investigation after the special counsel's appointment. Those efforts, according to Mueller, were, quote, mostly unsuccessful, but that is largely because the persons who surrounded the president declined to carry out orders or accede to his requests. After nearly two years, the two-volume, 448-page redacted report made for riveting reading across the nation today. In one particularly dramatic moment, for example, Mueller reported that Trump was so agitated at the special counsel's appointment on May 17, 2017, 
that he slumped back in his chair and declared, Oh my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency. I'm effed. With that, Trump set out to save himself. In June of that year, writes Mueller, Trump directed the White House counsel Don McGahn to call Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who was overseeing the probe, and say that uh, Mueller must be ousted because he had conflicts of interest. But McGahn refused, according to the report, deciding he would rather resign than trigger a potential crisis akin to the Saturday night massacre of uh, Watergate firing fame. Two days later, the president made another attempt to alter the course of the investigation, meeting with former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski and dictating a message for him to relay to then Attorney General Jeff Sessions. The message would be that Sessions should publicly call the investigation very unfair to the president and declare that Trump did nothing wrong. That message was never delivered. Those are just some of the many findings that suggest, at least to me, that Donald Trump very clearly attempted to obstruct justice, which, as some of you may recall, was one of the articles of impeachment in each of the efforts to impeach both Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. Those findings, however, were wildly downplayed during a wildly bizarre press conference held by Trump's newly appointed attorney general, William Barr, this morning, over an hour before the report itself in redacted form was even made available to the media or to Congress or to many of us in the public who were watching today. Republican House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who apparently did not bother to read the report based on his statement, said it was time to move on from Democrats' effort to, quote, vilify a political opponent. But Democrats cried foul over Barr's press conference and said the report revealed troubling details about Trump's conduct in the White House. Even in its incomplete form, House Judiciary Chair Gerald Nadler said the Mueller report outlines disturbing evidence that President Trump engaged in obstruction of justice and other misconduct. Nadler also sent a letter to the Justice Department requesting that Mueller himself testify before his panel no later than May 23 and announced that he would be subpoenaing the full unredacted report and its underlying evidence, which could, of course, result in a lengthy court battle. Despite Barr's claims at the press conference that the White House fully cooperated with the special counsel's investigation, Trump himself was never questioned in person. Though the report includes 12 pages of written responses to questions from uh, the Mueller team, they included no questions to the president about obstruction of justice. That was part of an agreement with Trump's legal team. That does not sound like fully cooperated, at least to me. In fact, it sounds a lot like obstruction. In one question, for example, Trump said that his comment uh, during a 2016 political rally asking Russian hackers to help find emails scrubbed from Clinton's private server was made in jest and sarcastically, and that he did not recall being told during the campaign of any Russian effort to infiltrate or hack computer systems. However, Mueller said that within five hours of those comments from Trump, Russian military intelligence officers targeted email accounts connected to Clinton's office. Overall, 
Mueller's team wrote that Trump's written responses were, quote, inadequate. They considered issuing a subpoena for the president, but decided against it after weighing the likelihood of a long legal battle. Uh, Mueller evaluated some 10 different episodes of possible obstruction of justice by Donald Trump, including his firing of the FBI director, James Comey, the president's directives to subordinates to have uh, special counsel Robert Mueller fired and efforts to encourage witnesses to not cooperate with the special counsel. The report cites DOJ guidelines, however, finding that sitting presidents cannot be indicted and uh, as to why special counsel avoided uh, making judgments about whether Trump obje- uh, obstructed justice. They note that a sealed indictment for prosecution could have been filed but that because its uh, very existence would probably be leaked, that, too, would be unfair to a president who could not defend himself publicly against an indictment that can't be seen by the public. As Mueller notes, however, quote, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state Based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment. All of which makes it uh, pretty discordant, at least to me, uh, if not surprising, that before the report was even released today, Donald Trump tweeted a Game of Thrones-styled graphic declaring, No obstruction, no collusion, game over. For some reason, I don't think it's actually over, not by a long shot today. Joining us now to try and make some sense out of the long and dense Mueller report, 448 pages released today, redacted or otherwise, are two longtime friends and very smart folks, a longtime host of the Zero Hour radio and TV program and longtime columnist Richard R.J. Escow joins us from uh, Washington, D.C., I think. Am I right, Richard? You are right. All right. Welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. And uh, likely as sleep deprived as me from out here on the West Coast in L.A., uh, Jackie Schechner is a longtime journalist and communications expert until very recently, the editor in chief of the Committee to Investigate Russia a nonprofit nonpartisan resource. Uh, provided, as its website describes, to help Americans recognize and understand the gravity of Russia's continuing attacks on our democracy. Hey, Jackie Schechner, welcome back to the broadcast. Hi, big day all around. Glad to be here. I'll say. uh, And, of course, our similarly uh, sleep-deprived producer, Desi (laughs) Doyen, is also here. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, As all of us. For the most part. Yeah, I know. As we are all trying to sort of continue to work our way through this huge amount of material now coming in as an avalanche from all directions today. Uh, So I'll throw out my apologies in advance on behalf of all of us as we go to air sort of mid-discovery for all of this information. Uh, along with the rest of the country today. But uh, don't worry, after it's all said and done, uh, hopefully we'll still have a Green News report at the end of the day. Fingers crossed. That'll cheer everybody up. Anyway, uh, let's start with this bizarre press conference this morning uh, from Trump's new attorney general slash consigliere, Bill Barr. Here's a a couple of clips, and then I'll get uh, your opinions about this. The special counsel confirmed 
that the Russian government sponsored efforts to illegally interfere with the 2016 presidential election, but did not find that the Trump campaign or other Americans colluded in those efforts. The special counsel's report states that his Quote, investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. The special counsel found no collusion. There was no evidence of the Trump campaign collusion with the Russian government's hacking. Did not find that any person associated with the Trump campaign illegally participated in the dissemination of the materials. So I have never seen anything like this, Jackie Schechner, uh, except when a criminal lawyer, I guess, is making a a, a statement to defend his client. Bill Barr, uh, recently appointed AG, uh, repeated at uh, about a dozen times that there was no collusion with Russia, Uh, even though collusion is not actually a legal term. uh, He also said he did not conspire. He did not coordinate. He said this over and over about 15 times. Uh, all of which, as we slog through this report, um, may or may not be true, but it was not the, sa- the sort of thing we'd expect to see from a legitimate attorney general introducing a report like this. Is it, Jackie? No. I mean, it seems like he was a total hack, and, and it was a complete PR effort on behalf of the Trump administration. There, there, this was not an impartial attorney general who stood up uh, for the rule of law to work for the American public. This is a man who was operating in a spokesperson capacity for the president of the United States. And it's, it's an embarrassment to the office, and I think that anyone who thought that, uh, who gave William Barr the benefit of the doubt, saying that he would be uh, unbiased and that he was committed to upholding the reputation of the Justice Department, uh, should be terribly disappointed today. Uh, I would say most of us, a lot of us who've been following along are probably not very surprised, um, but it was such a, a blatant stunt, and I think that's the part of it that was uh, a little bit a little bit shocking was with how obvious it was that this was an attempt to set the narrative an hour before the actual report was released um, and then sure enough as soon as the report comes out uh, everybody has the opportunity to read for themselves just how uh, skewed William Barr's both his original summary of what the report said and today's uh, phraseology and, and and the picture that that he painted today when he attempted to get out in front of the story. Yeah, I mean, it it seemed so blatantly to be some form of a cover-up, uh, which we might have all expected, but it was a... It struck me as a really bad cover-up. Uh, I kind of went wow out loud at the end of that uh, press conference. Uh, your your thoughts in that regard, Richard? Well, he did... You know, he clearly, among other things, lost control when he was asked a question he didn't like, he was, uh, no, he did a bad job of it, uh, but he, it also should have been clear to people as soon as the timing of these relative events was announced that uh, we were going to get a, a pre-release spin rather than a, uh, a serious um, uh, a serious talk from the nation's chief law enforcement officer. The fact that he scheduled his uh, his press conference before the document was actually released, uh, kind of tells us 90% of what we need to know. In terms of the terribleness of his performance, that was a big surprise to me, too. 
And the only other thing I'd add in terms of context is that, remember, this is someone who was attorney general once before under George Bush the first. Mm-hmm. So you'd think that he had some experience in the position and uh, might have been able to conduct himself with at least the appearance of gravity. And it was quite a surprise that he was not able to do that, in my opinion. Actually, he does have experience uh, as an attorney general who has helped to cover things up before under uh, the first George Bush to sort of... uh, uh, you know, help uh, do away with the uh, the what was it at the time the Iran Gate Iran Contra Iran, Iran Contra yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but at the same time uh, Richard Barr did not even he, for all the time he spent saying no collusion no collusion which doesn't even come up in the report uh, other than when they're quoting Trump saying it but for all that time Barr did not even speak to the fact that Mueller decidedly does not exonerate Trump of uh, of obstruction of justice. We'll get to some of the details in a bit, but for all of the repeated no collusion assurances that the AG gave, isn't it a bit odd that he didn't bother to speak to the fact that the special counsel could not clear Trump of obstruction, nor uh, even why it is that the special counsel chose not to do so? Well, it's classic misdirection. In other words, if your client, and he was acting as Trump's lawyer, if your client is accused of two things, and one there's no evidence for one charge or it's not addressed, that's the charge you talk about constantly. You don't talk about the one where uh, your client has been compromised. And, in fact, you know, we will get to the... The content, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but if anything, uh, Mueller seemed to suggest that uh, there could be evidence of obstruction and that that might be a better addressed through impeachment. So. Uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein was sort of bizarrely by Barr's <laughs> side, uh, he, though he did not speak at the press conference, um, and, and neither Robert Mueller nor anybody from his team was standing next to Barr. Uh, Jackie, as someone who has spent many years in communications, uh, any idea what we uh, should or shouldn't take from uh, Mueller's non-presence and, I guess, Rosenstein's non-comments? Yeah, I mean, Rosenstein's a, a weird guy to figure out in that regard. Um, how do you go from being the guy... I mean, really, how do you go from being the guy who suggested possibly recording the president and using the 25th Amendment to standing behind William Barr, uh, kind of blankly staring out into the, the crowd of reporters and, and not having anything to add. It's just, it's very strange. I think the biggest takeaway from all of that uh, is that the special counsel was intentionally not there, and we know that because the spokesman Peter Carr came out and said he wasn't going to be there in advance. Um, I, I think that, you know, we, we don't get a lot of information along the way from the special counsel, and that was always intentional, but I think now we're starting to hear the mumblings and the grumblings from his team that Barr has misrepresented their findings, uh, and we'll see what comes out once Mueller's called to testify before Congress. Um, I, I, I appreciate the need to keep some semblance of professionalism, but uh, I said yesterday, you know, now enough is enough. And now is the time that Robert Mueller needs to go forward and, and talk exactly about you know, what he found, what the conclusions are that he reached, why he didn't reach certain conclusions. I mean, we can draw our own speculation from what we have in this document, but there's enough redactions there that it would be helpful uh, to have some color and context from the special counsel himself, especially uh, the way that we've seen William Barr attempt to spin his words and uh, to, to turn it into something it isn't. So 
I think we're at the point now where hearing from Mueller will be incredibly valuable, and the fact that he wasn't there today uh, told us everything we need to know about how he feels about what Barr's done with his report. Yeah, it was a really, I thought, a bizarre uh, attempt by Barr to just really blatantly set the narrative. I mean, it was such theater, such obvious theater that um, (laughs) I'm kind of surprised that that he went as far as he did, because I don't really think he helped Trump in doing that. Trump might look at that and and his pronouncements, Barr's pronouncements of no collusion, as you mentioned, a word that does not actually appear in Mueller's report, except when Mueller says, you know, uh, collusion is not a legal term, and therefore does not apply. And then when when, when Mueller says that uh, there's no evidence of coordination, Mueller never used the word collusion, but Barr is still talking about it. And to be honest, I think it would have been smarter if he just would have released the report and then done his narrative setting press conference because it would have been maybe less uh, less uh, uh, getting the public to say this does not add up. This something smells really wrong. Yeah. Do, do have any of you guys uh, with all of the information coming in today uh, that we're all trying to keep up with uh, when it comes to Mueller's lack of presence there? Has anybody heard? Why he was not there? Is he purposely trying to distance himself from uh, from William Barr here, or is this just a matter of, uh, for the moment, he wants to let the report speak uh, speak for itself? Do we have uh, any actual information on that, or are we all just uh, speculating at this point? No, the only the only thing I saw was a statement out from Peter Carr, the spokesman for the special counsel, saying that he wasn't going to participate in the press conference yesterday. That information came out, but I, I don't I don't have any additional information. He didn't I say didn't why. Anything. Yeah, I yeah, know I haven't seen any additional information, but I would say that on the heels of uh, the news reports that the investigators were not happy with the way that Barr was characterizing their findings mm-hmm. and the fact that they wrote executive summaries that weren't released, um, seems to me that there is a disconnect between uh, what the special counsel's team did and intended to impart to the public and to Congress and what Barr is allowing to be seen and, and what he seems to be trying to spin on the president's behalf. Uh, the I would agree with that. I, I would say, first of all, it, it just simply wouldn't have uh, suited Barr's object, uh, objectives to have Mueller there. I think all the questions would have been directed to Mueller. He would have lost control of the situation. Mueller doesn't work for him anymore. I mean, he was able to have Rod Rosenstein there in, in a role that might best be described as hostage, but he can't <laughs> really... He can't really do that to Robert Mueller. He would be in, in, that would be impossible. So I think, if anything, I mean, I think Mueller's silence is probably discretion. And if I were to guess, his absence was probably at Barr's behalf. Mm, that Barr didn't. It was Barr who did not want Mueller there. And you know, you're. And I don't blame him. <laughs> you're kind of right on that. <laughs> on that hostage uh, comment. I thought it was just my imagination, but Rosenstein seemed to be looking directly at the camera for much of the uh, for much of the, uh, the the press conference there, and I was wondering if he was going to start blinking uh, Morse code for "help me" or something like that. Um, but then this was all like <clears throat> ninety minutes before the report was released. Then it was finally released in redacted form. And it seemed to prove that Barr was really just lying about a whole bunch of this stuff. Our friend Marcy uh, Wheeler over at Empty Wheel notes today that one of the most egregious instances of Barr's word games comes when he uh, turns the fact that uh, Trump didn't help the DNC 
into uh, to help hack the DNC into evidence of no collusion by asserting, uh, this is Barr speaking, the special counsel's report did not find any evidence that tr members of the Trump campaign or anyone associated with the campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its hacking operations. In other words, there was no evidence of Trump campaign collusion with the Russian government's hacking. But Marcy writes in response that no one ever thought that Trump's flunkies hacked the DNC, but that, in fact, Trump did encourage it to happen. She says that is collusion, according to some definitions of what she describes as the otherwise goddamn meaningless term. I would just suggest that you take this in a little bit of a different direction. Right? That's very specific, and that was a special counsel's mandate, uh -huh. to find out what Russia did to hack the election and what role the Trump campaign had, if any, in that effort. Did they, did they coordinate in any way in that effort? Mm -hmm. right? and, and if you take that out of it, I just and, and I say this as somebody who spent the last 18 months knowing more about the Trump-Russia investigation than one human being probably should. There's so many other lines of inquiry in this, right, mm -hmm. beyond just the spreading of misinformation on social media and the, the hacking of the DNC and Podesta's emails. There's the idea of, you know, coordinating with the Russian government that the Trump administration would lift sanctions uh, and, and would weaken NATO and would allow for a, a Ukrainian peace plan that would forgive the annexation of Crimea. I mean, all of these things that Putin wanted, mm -hmm. you have to wonder what it is that Trump's getting out of it. And whether it's he just gets to be BFFs with Putin because he likes authoritarian regimes, or whether there's a Trump Tower Moscow deal on the horizon. A you know, quid pro quo. That right, and I think that that's what Mueller was getting at in part of this report today, is that you know, it, it may not be that, that Trump was trying to obstruct justice, because we know that he attempted on several occasions, um, and, and maybe it didn't rise to the level of a prosecutorial crime, but there were certainly multiple attempts to try to stop the investigation. And what Mueller suggests is yeah. perhaps it, it wasn't trying to hide election interference coordination, but trying to hide other things that Trump could very well consider to be criminal or know to be criminal. And, and so I think that that's an important thing to point out is when you say election interference, that's just one sliver mm -hmm. of what it is the Trump administration or the Trump campaign, rather, and transition could be doing. There's so many other possible dealings going on behind the scenes that, that more likely relate to the longstanding relationship Donald Trump has with the Russians including the possibility of serious money laundering over the years. And i got to take a quick break here, and we'll come back and get into some of those specifics. But uh, very quickly, Jackie did... Uh yeah, I was pleased, uh, at least at the sections that I was looking most at, which were the obstruction of justice sections. Uh, I, I was pleased that there weren't all that many reda redactions uh, in the uh, Russia related sections, which I suspect you were looking at more. Uh, there were many more redactions. Uh, did uh, he speak to any of those? Did Mueller speak to any of those concerns as far as you know? Or uh, was that some of the stuff that may be behind the uh, the, uh, the redacted material? No, I mean, there are some redactions that I, I certainly find curious. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's, there's some things that, I, that I'd like to know, and I, I kind of pointed them out on Twitter, like the, I have to go back and look at them specifically, but certain pages uh, where, where I found it certainly interesting that there were sections that were blacked out. Um, you know, I'd like to know the people who likely lied to Congress but were not charged. Uh, and that shows up on page 199. There's a lot of, there's a lot of black there. Um, <laughs> and it says grand jury and personal privacy, right? Like, there are people like Eric Prince. I'd like to know why what he told Congress doesn't match up 
with what the special counsel knows. I'd like to know uh, whether Jared Kushner or Don Jr. or Hope Hicks or any of these people intentionally lied to Congress. Um, so that's a lot of the information that, that appears to be blacked out. Um, there doesn't seem to be any more indictments coming down. We know that for a fact. But, but why were some of these people not charged uh, with false statements, and, and why was that not material to the investigation? So I, I'd be curious to know what's behind that, and I, I think that we'll end up getting there uh, if, if Chairman Schiff and Nadler uh, stay on the job. No more indictments coming down directly from the uh, from the special counsel, but uh, no, we could get them from the Southern District of New York or the Eastern District yeah. of Virginia. Yeah, there is the some other, uh, the fourteen uh, yeah. referrals to uh, to other uh, prosecutors, uh, as folks seem to be reading this today. Let me come back and uh, we'll pick up with uh, with Russia, and uh, then I want to get into some of these obstruction charges because to me they are uh, the most disturbing uh, and and clear violation of uh, law, if not impeachable offenses. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Richard Escow and Jackie Schechner and, of course, Desi Doyen and myself, Brad Friedman, right here on the broadcast after a quick break. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. From Russia with love Oh, yes. I fly <laughs> to you Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman on Bradblog. Uh, from bradblog.com on the day that the Robert Mueller probe, 448 pages of it, are finally released. Well, 448 pages, but uh, 100 or two uh, are redacted here and there. Speaking with my guest, Richard Escow of the, uh, the Zero Hour and Jackie Schechner of the Committee to Investigate Russia. Uh, the, uh, the Mueller report, I should note, is in two volumes. Volume one describes the factual results of the special counsel's investigation of Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election and its interactions with the Trump campaign, as the uh, special counsel describes it. Volume two addresses the president's actions towards the FBI's investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 election and related matters and his actions towards the special counsel's investigations, uh, particularly obstruction. Um, Richard, uh, I know that you, like me, have been uh, somewhat, and I, I don't know if this is the right word, but somewhat skeptical about many of the claims about what, A, what Russia did or didn't do, and B, what Team Trump 
uh, how or if they were involved in uh, in anything that Russia uh, uh, did do. Uh, did you read anything today? Have you seen anything today that uh, sort of moves the needle one way or another as far as what you have confidence was actually done by either Russians or the Trump campaign in uh, in coordination with them? Well, I think if we talk about uh, skepticism, I mean, my skepticism has always been somebody called me a Russia skeptic once. I'm an everything skeptic. I mean, that's the job. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of Russia, I mean, it was always clear to me, for example, or let me put it this way, I always had serious doubts when people would say that Donald Trump was Putin's intelligence asset in the White House, for example. And part of the, one of the reasons for those doubts, uh, and obviously evidence might lead me to change my mind, one of the reasons for the doubts is that if you know anything about intelligence work, the two qualities you need in an asset are intelligence and um, and stability, emotional stability. A person has got to be able to keep their cool. So seeing that Trump had neither one of those characteristics, I found the idea that he was an actively worked asset to be highly unlikely. On the other hand, all along I've seen things like the, I believe it was the Goldstone letter, Jackie would know, but uh, where uh, someone writes a letter to Donald Trump Jr. saying explicitly this is part of Russia and its mm -hmm. government support for Mr. Trump, and, Trump, and Don Jr. says, great. So, uh, you know, we clearly have a willingness to, you know, I hate, I've come to hate that word collude, but uh, um, we have a willingness to cooperate at a level that would be, sh that is shocking, that you've, we've never seen in any campaign before. But I would say, uh, you know, this the obstruction of justice case is extraordinarily compelling, and uh, I think should be, you know, they say it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. Mm -hmm. uh, we may not fully understand the crime, but the nature of the cover-up seems to be, uh, if well, the big change for me today was just seeing in one place the, uh, the unimpeachability, seemingly, of the evidence pointing to obstruction of justice suggests to me that Congress should uh, act immediately to do something about it. I want to get to that uh, momentarily, but one last thought, at least from uh, Jackie here on Russia, as to the question of whether the Trump campaign conspired with Russia during the 2016 campaign. Mueller uh, writes today, um, quote, while the investigation identified numerous links between individuals with ties to the Russian government and individuals mm -hmm. associated with the Trump campaign, the evidence was not sufficient to support criminal charges. Uh, Jackie, as a uh, representative of the Committee to Investigate Russia, based <laughs> on what you've been able to read so far, are you satisfied with the conclusions of the special counsel on those par uh, on those points, as it uh, regards uh, Team Trump and any involvement with uh, uh, with Russia. Well, as I'm not an attorney, I have to defer to the special counsel, and I have to say that uh, he was operating under the assumption or under the parameters of having to prove a criminal case, right? Mm -hmm. So he had to he had to find that there was criminal wrongdoing. That, that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't find wrongdoing, right? It may just not have risen to the level that he could prove 
uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. And and that's a very clear distinction. You know, you, there's one thing to, to kind of have a suspicion or to, to have some information that, that leads you towards a specific conclusion. It's an entirely different one to have the evidence that can be proven in court beyond a reasonable doubt. And one of the things I just want to bring up, I think is fascinating in mm-hmm. this, is the discussion, for example, of John Jr. in the Trump Tower meeting. Mm-hmm. Basically, John Jr. wasn't charged with a criminal campaign finance violation because they couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he knew he was breaking the law, and they also couldn't prove how much the opposition research would be worse if he got it. Well, yeah. that's basically saying, you know, he was too dumb yeah. and, and didn't know he was breaking the law, and we can't put a monetary value on what he would have received had he received it. Well, that doesn't mean he didn't try to, to cooperate. It doesn't mean he wasn't willing to cooperate. It just means he, he, didn't, he didn't know the parameters of the law, and they couldn't put a monetary yeah. value. So right. That's me. Yo, go ahead. Oh no, I, I was going to say that 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 is exactly the the standard. There are two pieces of that that have to be met on this very high bar of whether it it uh, meets the level of criminal conduct. Like you said, they have to establish willful intent by Don Jr. and even Jared Kushner on that. And um, and also, I just want to point out something that you said, uh, Jackie Mueller explicitly said, "quote A statement that the investigation did not establish particular facts does." not mean there was no evidence of those facts just just that it didn't establish uh the evidence or at the high level uh that it needed to be established in order to reach a criminal prosecutorial decision right and right and there was there was a higher bar too even than the normal bar of whether something uh, uh it justifies a criminal prosecution in this case which is that Mueller accepted the uh, Department of Justice guidelines on indicting right. a sitting president, which uh, are not law. They're, they're, it's not something that was established by Congress. Mm-hmm. It's not something in the Constitution. It's just a decision that previous attorneys general have decided uh, is the way they want to run the department. Uh, Mueller accepted that, and therefore he found, and I believe there's even language in the report to uh to back this up, he didn't even say, especially in terms of this obstruction of justice, that there was nothing there that uh, might be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, under the circumstances, other channels should be used if people want further investigation. Meaning, I assume the Congress should conduct an investigation, which by all means it should. And and he did. He went out of his way. To say that if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state based on the facts and uh, legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment. So they're expressly saying... Uh, we are not clearing this guy of uh, of obstruction of justice. Um, but let me I want to hit on one point, uh, Richard, uh, taking from what Jackie said uh, concerning Donald Don, Donald Trump Jr. being too dumb to be indicted. I'm kind of troubled by this standard because essentially what the um, what the special counsel said was that uh, he might not have known that what he was doing was unlawful. Um, and, and and maybe that's true. Maybe he didn't understand campaign finance laws. Maybe he didn't understand you're not supposed to uh, collude, if you will, with uh, foreign agents when it comes to uh, American elections. But the fact that he was able to let uh, Trump Jr. off the hook for that reason, 
is Donald Trump Sr. going to get off the hook for the same thing? Well, he didn't know either. He wasn't a politician. I mean, you know, I was always under the understanding that um, ignorance of the law is no excuse for violating it. So, Richard, do, do you buy any of that? Well, well, it was a strange finding, and, and to be honest, it made me wonder. It, uh, many times in these sorts of situations, there's just intensive backroom negotiation going on. We'll push this, we'll let this go, in order to let the investigation go forward. I'm not saying this did or didn't happen in this case, mm-hmm. but but that kind of conclusion doesn't seem to me to flow organically from the work they were there to do. So it made me wonder whether something else happened that mm-hmm. led them to reach that conclusion because it, it, it was so jarring. And it's, as far as Trump Sr., I guess what struck me the most, particularly regarding the obstruction, is, you know, in the old days they used to talk about the Lucky Luciano principle, where Lucky Luciano w- w- would say, uh, he's a problem for me, take care of it. And he wouldn't explicitly say kill him, mm-hmm. but they would kill him. And the decision was made, well, they knew what he meant, so Lucky Luciano was guilty of the crime as well. I think Trump has created, and his people have created, the reverse Lucky Luciano principle, (laughs) where he explicitly said, break the law, and they didn't do it because they knew it was a bad idea for him. And that appears to be the only thing that has protected him at this point, is this weird thing where he would clearly tell his people to do the wrong thing, in my opinion, break the law, and uh, they didn't do it, so he may get off because of that. I don't know. But I think Congress needs to step in. I think it's time. Yes. I I think there's just no question about that. But even before uh, Congress steps in, in some of these matters, uh, Jackie Schechner, uh, this troubles me because, you know, if Donald Trump Jr., oh, he just didn't understand campaign finance laws, then, you know, can't Donald Trump Sr. similarly be allowed off the hook for things like the campaign violation, campaign finance violations and his hush money payoffs to Stormy Daniels, which is a conspiracy that Trump directed, according to the prosecutors, and for which uh, his former attorney, Michael Cohen, is about to go to jail for several years. Cohen can't get off the hook because he's an attorney. But, uh, you know, is the argument being made here that, oh, Donald Trump had no idea this was a campaign finance violation? Is that legit? No, I mean, your concern does seem to be a logical extrapolation of that. Right. I mean, I would have the same concern. Can you use can you use ignorance of the law as a defense? I, mm-hmm. I, I was under the same assumption as you were that that wasn't a legitimate defense of anything. I think here we're talking because we're talking about the president of the United States. I think the standard was higher than it would normally be. Um, I, I think that um, I, I have to assume that Mueller erred on the side of caution. Um, but the, the sad part in all of this um, for me is that I. I think what happened here is is a real threat to democracy um, and continues to be because we have a president of the United States who doesn't care. And um, the the fact that uh, we don't seem to have the ammunition at this point, um, or or maybe we do, but but up until this point... I think we do now. I think we do now if you read this report. But but here's the problem. We do, but you still have to get, I mean, this goes back to the impeachment conversation, right? You can do impeachment proceedings in the House, but you have to get two-thirds of the Senate. And this Republican Senate, has a majority Senate, has has proven time and time again that it's willing to fall in step with Trump. 
And I don't know why. I don't know why they're, they're willing to look the other way. But you're not going to get two-thirds of the Senate as it stands now. And, and, and the, the reality is I don't know that anything in this report is going to change their mind because they haven't been swayed up until this point, and he's done some pretty atrocious things in plain sight. Well, so I, I don't know what's going to move the needle, but you're not you're not wrong to have concerns. I just wonder if Mueller erred um, on the, dangerously, almost on the side of caution in not bringing charges because of how disruptive it would be, and the fact that that our our democracy is so tenuous right now. We, we're really on the brink, right? It's so partisan. Mm-hmm. We're so divided. The rhetoric is so high um, that, that Mueller, being the patriot that loves this country as much as he does. Weighed the consequences and, and aired on the side of caution. I don't know. Let, speculative. But. Let me get you uh, very quickly. We've got just a, a few minutes, a very few minutes here. I want to get your thoughts on on the point you raised, uh, Jackie, and I get this from uh, Richard and Desi as well. Uh, my opinion that I've made clear: I don't care what they can do in the U.S. Senate. I don't care if they can get the votes to actually remove this guy. It seems to me that the members of the U.S. House have a constitutional duty to uh, impeach and call for at least the removal of someone like this who is so clearly unfit for office, but more importantly, has committed high crimes and misdemeanors, which are spelled out in this 448-page report from Robert Mueller. So no matter what the Republicans may end up doing, isn't it the responsibility of the Democrats and the Republicans, for that matter, in the U.S. House to take action to impeach this guy based on all that we already know even before this report came out today. Richard Eskow? Well, you know, I'm a political animal in many ways, and in, in political terms, I've had a lot of, I've felt for a long time that the Democrats were focusing too much on the Russia story and not enough on the domestic needs of American working people. And with my political hat on, I may still believe that to be the case, but if there's going to be one major change in my outlook as a result of the release of the report, I may now still pondering, but I, and by the way, I haven't idealized Robert Mueller or anyone else. I mm-hmm. think everyone here is an actor with their own motives. Yep. But I may now be at the point where I think it's their obligation to investigate, even knowing, as Jackie says, that the Senate will not go along, no matter what the evidence says. It may have reached a point where the evidence is so compelling that they owe it to the country to investigate, while at the same time making their political case for why they should have the presidency in the Senate. Yes, and I, I would agree with you, too, on that, um, RJ, and on Brad, and, and, and Jackie, too. I think it's really... Oh, you the, disagree with everyone <laughs> to be their friend. <laughs> I, I think the House has a, uh, has a duty to impeach now. I, I don't think there's any other way that they can do, uh, that they can proceed without at least launching impeachment proceedings, having a very public and transparent investigation of all of this, because we're at a really dangerous moment, and I know you all agree with me on that. We are at a very dangerous mm-hmm. moment in our history, this... Uh, feels I, I feel the weight of this historic moment this must have been what it was like when when Watergate unfolded and people had those choices that they had to make about what stand they were going to take oh you were 30 years old at the time <laughs> stop trying to make yourself so younger. yeah so I think we have to have this impeachment now I don't think there's any other way out of this uh, Jackie uh, very quickly will it let uh, I know that a lot of folks had uh, on the left had, had sort of hung their hopes if that's the right word uh, that Mueller was going to find 
you know, direct evidence of so-called collusion. Uh, and then the, the, uh, the, his report was given to Barr a few weeks ago. Barr puts out that four-page uh, memo, that whitewash. Um, are folks uh, that you're hearing today uh, more concerned, less depressed as they were four weeks ago now that they're seeing the actual material that Mueller came up with? You know, I, I haven't been able to gauge how anybody else feels, but I can speak for myself and say that what Barr did give us was three weeks to let this all settle and set in. And yes, when it first came out, there was a tremendous amount of disappointment because the expectation was that Mueller was going to find the criminality. I think this helps because I think there's now enough to go on to say this behavior is disgusting, it's unacceptable, it's amoral, this is not what we should expect from the President of the United States, and Congress should step up and do something. And we have enough, there's enough there there now mm-hmm. to be able to say, how can you stand for this? Um, so I think that helps. I, I obviously, you know, we didn't get what we want. And I, and I don't say that in terms of, oh, we want the President of the United States to fail because he's a Republican, right? Like, that's not what this is about. This is about a man who spent his entire life being a, a liar and a grifter and, and a cheater and uh, getting away with that kind of amoral behavior now that he's president of the United States. You, you want to see him go down for that behavior because that's not something we want to model for our country or our children. Once you look at those uh, those 10 different areas that uh, the special counsel looked at concerning obstruction and the attempts over and over and over again by Donald Trump to fire the special counsel, he was stopped by his uh, by his aides, by his White House counsel, Don McGahn, according to this report. He was trying to kill this uh, this probe that seems quite clearly to me anyway to be obstruction of justice but this conversation is going to continue i suspect for quite a while i don't think it's going away at all uh so uh, i want to thank uh, both of you guys on a what i know is a very busy and exhausting day uh richard escow you can find his um his program his weekly radio and tv program uh, zero hour at this is the zero hour dot com. And you can and should follow him on the Twitters at RJ Escow. You can find Jackie Schechner also on the Twitters. She is simply Jackie Schechner. And uh, her uh, committee to investigate Russia is at investigaterussia.org. Hey, thanks both of you guys for joining us on a on a difficult day. All right. You you thanks, guys. Okay, <laughs> yes, lots, uh, lots more to come, I suspect, on the Mueller report. Uh, but for now, I'll offer you a refreshing break. We'll take a break, <laughs> and we'll come back with the Green News Report. What could possibly go wrong? I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Once again, 
you know, just one of those days when the Green News Report is like the brightest thing that we have to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, and that's not saying much. No, it is, it is definitely not. But we better get to it. Our latest Green News Report. It's not going to be possible to use the tube if London gets shut down permanently by dangerous climate change. Hundreds arrested in London climate protests. March 2019, the third hottest March ever recorded globally. Bank of England delivers stark warning to investors about climate risks. Plus, what we are doing now can soon no longer be undone. Teen climate activist warns EU Parliament time is running out. All of those warnings and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The longest oil spill in American history has been going on for 15 years now. Oh my God, how is the ocean even still water? At this point, it's got to be just oil and Starbucks cups. (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say it isn't? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it sounds like a very Eurocentric Green News Report today. Am I right? (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. You're not calling for a Grexit, are you? (laughs) No, I'm not. Not yet. But we'll get to that in a moment. Okay. First, March 2019 was the third warmest March ever recorded globally, nearly a full degree Celsius warmer than the 20th century average for March since record-keeping began in the 1880s. Only March 2016 and 2017 were hotter. Well, if I was on Fox News, I'd be talking about how this proves that the globe is actually cooling. But it's not. Oh. That information is not from Fox News. It's from the WMO, the World Meteorological Organization. Fake news. The new ranking means that the five warmest marches on record have all occurred in the last five years. Also, it was the warmest month of March ever for Alaska, which reached more than four degrees Celsius above average. Wow, that's about eight degrees Fahrenheit, if my math is correct there. That's some baked Alaska. (laughs) In Britain, the Bank of England issued a stark warning this week to investors about the financial risks of climate change. In an open letter, Bank of England Governor Mark Carney warned, quote, the catastrophic effects of climate change already having an impact on the planet could wipe out $20 trillion of assets by destroying infrastructure, property, and wealth. They called for a managed transition away from fossil fuels, warning companies, quote, if some companies and industries fail to adjust to this new world, they will fail to exist. $20 trillion is what climate change is going to cost if we don't take action? That's what he said. And yet we're told that we can't afford to take action. Also in Britain, more than 400 climate protesters were arrested in London on Wednesday for disrupting traffic and public transit, the third day of a full week of civil disobedience and direct action in 33 countries, including the U.S., organized by climate activist group Extinction Rebellion. In an interview with Sky News, the group's leader, Rupert Reed, said such nonviolent disruptions are necessary to pressure governments into action. 
it's not going to be possible to use the tube if London gets shut down permanently by dangerous climate change, by sea level rise. That is on the cards unless we change everything and change it quickly. And they aren't kidding around. During the group's protest in front of Shell Oil's London offices, internationally renowned diplomat and environmental lawyer Farhana Yamin superglued her hands to the pavement Mm. to call attention to the government's inaction. Mm, Is she still there? No, she is not. Oh. Got to get better glue, I guess. There is some good news here in the United States. Colorado's new Democratic governor, Jared Polis, this week signed into law a major overhaul of the state's oil and gas rules, turning the state's focus away from encouraging rampant drilling and production and instead directing regulators to make public safety and the environment their top priority. Good for him. Finally, in Brussels, teen climate activist Greta Thunberg, teen climate superstar, founder of the school climate strike movement, chided members of the European Union Parliament in a speech this week for holding three emergency summits on Brexit, but none on the threat of climate change. Fighting back tears, she warned about rapid species extinction, soil erosion, pollution, ocean acidification, and she called on them to vote on behalf of their children and grandchildren who cannot vote. She referenced the catastrophic fire that nearly destroyed the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris on Monday and asked the members to consider that it took more than a century to build over several generations in pleading for them to act. The future, as well as what we have achieved in the past, is literally in your hands now, but it's still not too late to act. It will take a far-reaching vision. In other words, it will take cathedral thinking. I ask you to please wake up and make the changes required possible. To do your best is no longer good enough. You know, if that handful of rich families and oil companies who are paying hundreds of millions to restore the cathedral put it into climate change action instead, we might be getting somewhere. Yep. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share what we do worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Amen. Amen. Take me to church. I worship like a dog at the shrine of your life. What a day. <laughs> Indeed. Once again, saved by Greta Thunberg, <laughs> uh, along with the entire planet. But hey, no pressure, Greta. I know. Bless her heart. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, uh, Desi Doyen, our producer. And, of course, my thanks to my guest today, Richard Eskow of The Zero Hour, Jackie Schechner of the Committee to Investigate Russia, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is, as ever, greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. Find and follow the work that we do here uh, on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. Use hashtag Bradcast if you like. Makes it easier for me to find you. And what else? Uh, oh, my thanks to those who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and me stay on the air and try to make sense of this insane world that we are all living in, whether we like it or not. (laughs) That's bradblog.com slash donate. All right. Thank you very much. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.